I'm Kay Firth-Butterfield at the World Economic Forum. And I'm Miriam Vogel with Equal AI. And this is In AI We Trust. Hello and welcome to this week's special edition of In AI We Trust. This week, we will be doing Davos in Review. Recently, the World Economic Forum held its 53rd annual meeting in Davos, Switzerland. The Davos Summit gathers together the leading thinkers in government, business, and civil society to enable positive global change. This year, the program was premised on the idea that current global crises are manifestations of larger systematic deficiencies that have accrued over time and the result of systems that are too narrowly focused by sector rather than multidisciplinary entities that are necessary to address the trends that are emerging and relate to the key issues of our time, specifically with the fourth industrial revolution and climate change. So on this week's episode, we are so fortunate to speak with one of the organizers herself, who better than the forum's lead on AI and machine learning, a longtime expert on AI and responsible AI, and my dear co-host, Kay Firth-Butterfield. Thank you, Miriam. Lovely to be here and in a different role today. How lovely to be able to talk with one of the people that led so many of the sessions and participated in so many of the sessions and has been doing this for some time. And so we can not only benefit from what you saw in January, but how it relates to what you've seen over the years and and what you think we can expect to see as a result of these conversations. So I think it's safe to say, first of all, that AI has come a long way since you first started attending the forum. Even a few years ago, when I was fortunate to sit with you at a lunch on AI and responsible AI, it was a niche topic. And now looking at the headlines and seeing the readouts, it is clear that it is much more of a global perspective, much more of an area of great interest and attention, which is really heartening to see. But before we dig in on your talks on AI in particular, I hope we could zoom out a little bit and learn from your experience and perspective. You've been to numerous Davos summits and other summits, and you've heard hundreds of presentations, I'm sure, on some of the most important issues of the day. So this year, which would you say are the speakers or the speaker that stood out the most to you and resonated? Was it based on the arguments that you thought were most compelling or novel? Or was it a storyteller that really touched you in a way that made you understand a new argument? Who really spoke to you this Davos? Oh, well, I mean, there's so many people who have the opportunity to speak at Davos. And I think that this was, well, I know that this was our best Davos yet in terms of the number of people who came, the variety of people who came. And really, there was this sort of desire amongst people who were there to have this opportunity to meet face to face again. We had had the meeting in May, but it was a much smaller meeting. And so one of the things that was just wonderful was that opportunity to meet people and talk to people that you had only seen in a little Zoom square for so long. So I think for me, that was sort of a a very major takeaway. If I look at who I heard speak, there were just many different people with different voices, 
But on the responsible AI piece, I think that it was great to be able to hear Stuart Russell speak. He spoke on a private session called The Long View of Technology. But he spoke about the things that he has already aired in the reflectors about how he sees the future of AI, the long-term future of AI, the way that we will be conducting ourselves as humans. And of course, that echoed the podcast that you and I did with him. So, you know, bringing in top academics and listening to them when all that they do in their lives is think about and work on these things is so valuable. Other people who are working on responsible AI, Brad Smith, the president of Microsoft, talk about responsible AI and, you know, what he's thinking about as we move into generative AI, I think was really eye-opening and valuable. Listening to Tom Siebel talk about how it doesn't matter if you're using AI in a jet engine and you can work out whether it's accurate to sort of four nines, point nines. But when you then have AI meet society, as he said, it can go downhill really quickly. And so, you know, all echoing really all the work that we were doing on responsible AI. And we keep talking about on responsible AI all the time. And following that through to some of the conversations that we had around quantum and having, you know, some of the really big VCs, both in the conversations about quantum and funding quantum, and then having Jim Breyer on the responsible investment in AI panel, which was called Investing in AI with Care, and having him talk about how, as a major VC, he has thought carefully about what companies he invests in, how those companies represent diversity, how important it is to have a 50-50 balance of women and men on the board and other diversity or actually as founders. And so those were some of the highlights. I could go on, as you can probably hear. <laughs> well, we hope you will. So I'll ask a few more questions and please do go on so we can live vicariously. So I want to ask you about the investment panel, but before we do, I want to ask you about what seemed to be the hottest topic at Davos, as well as the rest of the world in terms of AI, and that's generative AI and more specifically chat GPT. I noticed there were two sessions in particular focusing on generative AI. One was a conversation with Klaus Schwab, founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, with Satya Nadella, chairman and chief executive officer of Microsoft. So we'd love to hear more about that panel. And I would love to know, do you share Nadella's optimism? Do you think we are entering a golden age of AI? And what are some of the takeaways you gleaned from where they think generative AI is going? Yeah, the other panel that we had was one which was just about generative AI. That featured the fabulous artist who had a major display actually within the conference center themselves. And he is a first generation immigrant with a studio that really takes AI and uses AI in art. And he talked about how it's really opening the world for him. 
and how he can then take pictures that he's taken of the Amazon, for example, and use these techniques to create a new story of the Amazon. So I think that that was that was very interesting because I agree that there are lots and lots of positive sides to any of these generative AI tools. I think for me, the conversation, and of course, you know, you and I would think this, the conversation that's missing a bit still is there's a lot of hype around it. There's a lot of talk about whether schools will ban it or universities will ban it or countries will ban it. But there is less conversation around equality, equity, inclusion. And this is a point that I made at the end of our generative AI panel. If we think about the fact that all of these algorithms are, are trained on data that we already have, then that effectively excludes anybody whose data is not properly represented on the internet at the moment. And as we well know, most people's data is not properly represented on the internet at the moment. And so it's, I think, a conversation that needs to be had about how we will address that balance so that everybody can um, actually benefit from these tools. If you are a one of the three billion people who still doesn't have access to internet, your culture is probably not going to be very well represented on the internet and therefore in any of the things that are created by ChatGPT or by DALI or any of the other things that we're, we're using. So I think that that's a conversation about how we make these tools actually available for everybody. I'm so glad you raised that point and how powerful to be coming from you with the forum to make everybody remember that as we're thinking about the power and opportunity, we need to remind everybody that this should serve a broader audience and that AI can be used to make our society more inclusive, more people can participate and then we all benefit. So we're grateful that you were able to make that on behalf of those who weren't participating and those who are underrepresented. And I think that that underrepresentation is alive and well in our own country. You know, so if you think about many cultures or communities in America, a lot of the things that ChatGPT might be drawing from might be academic papers that somebody has written about a community as opposed to that community's own personal flourishing that we just don't see on the internet in the same way. Well, such an important point, and sure there could be an entire Davos just talking about how to be more inclusive and make sure that we hear from underrepresented communities and, and in a way that we communicate to other communities with dignity and we bring them into this conversation and the development of AI and the deployment of AI with dignity and respect. So I'm sure a topic for many more conversations we will have to come, and I look forward to that. But I also want to hear about another panel you mentioned, which I think is so important and exciting and related to amplifying the needs of those who are underserved or who could really benefit from AI and aren't currently. And that's the investing in AI with care panel you mentioned, mm -hmm. where Lauren Woodman, chief executive officer of Datakind, talked about something that you and I think and talk a lot about, which is that investors have a key lever here. They can ask the questions that 
others are not able to, who will eventually be using or impacted by the technologies that are being invested in or the companies that are buying and deploying the technologies. They can say, are you testing for bias and other risks in your AI? Have you tested for harms? Who have you included in your use cases and who have you not included? First of all, to rectify it and just to notify people who is and is not envisioned in the use of this AI so that people know if it's safe for them and if it's something that we'll need to do more testing before we deploy in different communities or with different uses. So would love to hear more about your impressions of this panel and, and where there are key points and takeaways that we can all learn from. Yeah, absolutely. This was probably my favorite panel because it just was so buoyant. The people on the panel were so enthused by the actual subject matter. And yes, DataKind CEO, superb takeaways. So if I were to say watch one panel on AI from Davos, it would be this one because everybody had great insights and, and great thoughts on responsible AI generally, but particularly this investment piece. Also, the room was full. And so it's obviously a topic that's beginning to resonate with people, be they CEOs of health companies or car manufacturing companies, whatever. This is a topic that they were really interested in. And I think it's really important, as you and I have talked about before, to make sure that responsible AI is at the level of the CEO. And so that was that was a great thing to see as well. In terms of takeaways, I think that what the CEO of DataKind said about this being everybody's responsibility definitely resonated with me. I did feel that Tom Siebel drawing that distinction between where you use can use AI safely and reliably all the time, for example, in manufacturing, and where you have to really think much more carefully about the use of AI and what you're investing in and what those outcomes are going to be. I thought that was important. And the way that he said it seemed to resonate really well with the audience as well. And also just hearing Jim talk, as I said, so eloquently about well, you know, it's how you constitute those startup communities and who you invest in and being really very careful and very thoughtful about who you're investing in and what you're investing in. And I think that that probably for me, you know, this is my fifth Davos, I've been going for since 2017. And as you said, this used to be a nascent subject but to have it on the lips of VCs is really a game changer because the work that we're doing at the forum is really to have VCs to think about this and also the big institutional investors thinking about it as well. What we think will happen is if we could get VCs to only invest in companies with responsible AI and the big investors, we could sort of effectively create a pincer movement to make sure that responsible AI is everywhere. Really exciting. I'm so glad that it was not only a thoughtful and energizing panel, but that it was well-received and well-attended. That is really encouraging to hear. You know, Miriam, more importantly, you know, Davos serves the great purpose of bringing 
these different messages to the world because you know that one was live streamed as you know but also it provides this great purpose of getting the right people in the room hearing the conversations and then those Davos moments happen where someone or more than one person comes up to you afterwards and says I want to be involved in this this is important and so, you know, that was the other big takeaway for me from that panel. I had people come up to me from all different industries and say, yes, this is important. I want to be involved. How exciting and, and how wonderful that you're not just using the opportunity through that panel to reflect on what's happening globally, but to push it forward in a really important direction by waking people up to this issue and their opportunity to have positive impact and how encouraging to hear that it resonated. Not a surprise, but great to hear that even within that moment, you were able to see a shift and, and some people who I am sure uh, represent many, many thousands of people given who stood up to participate and in their conversations with you after. So we'll look forward to seeing how that transpires into the broader society. But I also wanted to make sure we talk about another theme on the panels. I know that the forum has been a longtime advocate of assuring that we are thinking about sustainability and taking steps to reduce the climate crisis that is looming. And I think it's so interesting that now we have panels addressing AI and climate, both as a problematic event and again, seeing the opportunities. I know one panel you hosted was involving wildfires and would love if you could share with us the correlation between the wildfires and how that has accelerated climate change and some of the key takeaways on how AI can and should be used to help address this issue. Yeah, sure. So the work that we're doing actually at the forum is called AI in Climate Adaptation. And so we had a great panel on that, including one of the people who's previously been on our podcast, Vilastar, who spoke very eloquently about the need for solutions to be built with local communities. And I think that's something that, again, you know, we were in danger of offering solutions from the global north to the global south in AI, rather than listening to communities um, and finding out what they need and them building with them and for them. That's the umbrella work. And under that fits in what we call fire aid. And fire aid's been ongoing for about a year now. It's primarily we're done with Deloitte and Microsoft, Google, and a company in Turkey called Coach Holdings. And Coach Holdings started it off by coming to us and saying, this was last year, Turkey has been on fire and we want to put a whole team of 25 plus AI and data scientists onto seeing if we could predict where wildfires will start within a 24 hour window before they start. So as you can imagine, with wildfires now accounting for 1.7 billion tons of carbon emissions, stopping wildfires will be good for the environment. But also, of course, it's the, the people, the, the wildlife, the property that's damaged in, the ter in terms of billions of dollars each year. 
And just, you know, how I have personal friends who've lost their properties in California and just the devastation that that brings. So it's a piece of work that's been very close to everybody on the team's hearts. And it's wonderful now that the tool that Coach Holdings created has an 80% precision recall on wildfires. And so what's next is that uh, we brought together companies from around the world. We brought um, scientists from around the world and governments from around the world to talk about what do we need? What more do we need in wildfires? So the call there was really for a coalition to bring best practices and tools to discussion and build a community of people who are talking about this across the world. Different wildfires start in different ways. So, you know, in America, well, in California, they've been started by utility companies because of the sparks, or they've been started by people building bonfires. In Australia, for example, 99.5% of fires are caused by lightning. So weather, not people. In the Amazon, 95 point something percent are actually caused by people, not the climate. And, you know, the important thing is to understand the forests that are burning or the landscape that's burning, because one algorithm isn't going to fix them all. And so what's next for the fire aid work that Coach Holding did is working with the governments of all of the countries in the Mediterranean that are burning and getting them to use the algorithm, which Coach have open sourced, and Coach are putting technical resources behind it because it's no use giving an algorithm to a government and saying, just get on with it. So that's just great news and it it makes me so happy to be able to not just talk about responsible AI, but also use responsible AI to help cure one of the world's ills. So exciting. And as you say, so many important lessons there. I love the point about it's not just the fact that you've created this really important tool that will save lives and property and harm from happening before it happens. It's just, you know, in itself so exciting, but to think about, and of course, I'm sure it's very much related to the fact that you started with some of the core principles of responsible AI, talking to people who are impacted. And instead of imposing an answer on a question that wasn't asked, thinking about what is really a question that we can help solve with AI and broadening the scope of who can benefit from an AI solution. Uh, so I love that Vilas Dar and, and others asked that question and, and helped lead to this important development where now communities will benefit from avoiding this, this devastation. And I love the ways that we can continue to focus on that model. And it's reminiscent of conversations we've had in the past year, you know, like with Ziad Obermeyer thinking about, well, instead of looking at the pain identification models that we always use because we always use them, let's start from the basic question of the patient and where are they feeling harm? And it turns out when you do that, you can be two times better at creating an AI tool to help identify knee pain in patients of color and other patients. And as a result, avoid surgery and pain and loss of work and loss of quality of life and families that will miss out on 
that time with a family member who would otherwise have been removed from the engagement uh, due to pain and, and other circumstances. So really important message and that I'm so glad your audience heard and now our audience gets to hear. Yeah, as I say, it's it's fantastic work and, and having the coalition and being able to learn from one another is really a sweet spot for the forum. You know, we're really good at building and bringing the right people together to help solve some of these global problems. But as you know, nothing could be done unless we've really responsibly sourced the algorithm and built it. Yes. And educated people and have people on the same page, which leads to my next question about an article. I don't know how you did it. I don't know how you had any spare time leading up to planning for Davos, but you did. And you released an article on January 20th to set the table of, of what you saw as some of the key developments of AI in 2022 and where you saw the discussion going, the developments and innovation going in 2023. Can you share with our listeners some of what they can find in that article? Well, I mean, obviously, I talked a lot about the generative AI. I think that it's really important that everyone understands the the power of generative AI, but also the limitations of generative AI, especially at the moment. But noting that, you know, as Sam Altman said about chat GPT, it's not terribly good at the moment. And I think the key phrase there is at the moment, because what we know is that the the more that we use the tool, the better that it gets because it learns from the way that we use it. One thing I didn't say in the article, but uh, I've noticed just in the last week or so, is people advertising now uh, jobs that ask the right question of ChatGPT. And so already, you know, you're beginning to see that understanding that if you ask the right question, you're going to actually get quite a good answer. But that's if you live in the global north and your information is already stored on <laughs> in the data. I think, again, something I didn't mention, and, and yeah, I could talk about what I said, but actually I think it might be useful for people to have a look at it and, the, and think about, you know, what's, what's going on beyond that is the, the new case that is being brought against Dali for copyright infringement. And as lawyers, I think that's probably something that you and I are going to watch. And it will be really interesting to see how that pans out in the American courts. Couple of takeaways from things I didn't know when I wrote the article. Yeah, it'll be so interesting. I mean, and something we've talked about, but to see it now play out, we've been waiting for the courts to catch up to the innovation and that's gonna be hard. But, you know, the system of laws was designed to be a general framework to be applied to innovation that it wouldn't have necessarily been on the top of the mind of those who are drafting the laws. And so it'll be really interesting to see how, as you say, the U.S. addresses ownership of yeah. these innovations that are both collaborative, you could say, in how they've been designed, but benefit very much from the work of different individuals and the end user may or may not even know. Absolutely. And, you know, if you have copyright, is it actually worth anything anymore? And one of the things that that I, I suppose feels good for me is the very first paper that we wrote when I joined the forum and start, we started doing the responsible AI work was about 
IP and AI. So I sort of feel as if I'm yeah. coming full circle. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is so interesting and important because the IP laws dictate how you support innovation. Are you supporting innovation and finding that proper balance to protect rights versus creative input of, of a broader audience? And it's such a delicate balance. And on top of that, you've got the layers of each country handling it, interpreting it differently, which more and more, not only in a global world, but when we're talking about technology like AI that has no borders, even within one application and use can cross so many state and international borders, it's going to be increasingly interesting and complicated to decide ownership issues going forward. Yeah, absolutely. So I and I think that that also brings me to very quickly talk about quantum because responsible quantum is part of the portfolio that I lead at the forum. And, you know, we had one fabulous responsible quantum private session, which just, it almost felt as if I was talking about responsible AI. The only good bit, I suppose, being that we can have this conversation about the global divide caused by quantum now when we might actually be able to make it a little bit less huge a divide, whereas, you know, we're, we've been playing catch up for the last uh, N number of years on, on AI and responsible AI. And to further think about the important role you're playing in this, I understand there was an exciting announcement by Jeremy Jurgens, the managing director of the forum and the head of the Center for the Fourth Industrial Revolution, announcing a new center that will be in Austin, Texas. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So it's the Center for Trustworthy Technology. And the remit uh, of the center is not just to talk about responsible AI, although obviously AI will be part uh, of the work, but really to think about those cutting edge things that we're facing. So, you know, the work on, on the metaverse, the work on quantum, the work on synthetic biology. So all, all these new and new tech. And AI, of course, underpins a lot of the new tech and the way that it's used. So I don't think the center will be moving from AI, but it will be trying to get ahead of some of the things, some of the other things. So we don't make perhaps the same mistakes as we made with AI. How exciting, how nice and convenient for you, considering that is one of your hometowns and how wonderful to hear that this is going to be dealt with head on in this center squarely focused on responsible innovation. So thank you for this work. We're excited to see what comes from it. What's also important about it, Miriam, is that it's one of now 18 centers that we have around the world. And so it's not it's not just the forum building, it's also all of these centers building work that they can share across the diaspora and us learning from the local situations as well as understanding it on a more macro level as well. Yeah, well... I have to thank you, Kay. This has been so much fun and you're such a good sport to allow us to turn the tables today because 
one of the things we miss out on by having you as a, a co-anchor on this program, a co-host, is that we don't as often get to hear your deep insights. And so thank you for sharing your insights with us today. Thank you for letting us get a taste of what happened in Switzerland a few weeks ago from somebody who had a seat at the table and helped direct how those conversations would look and transpired. And I have to ask you the question now that you're on the hot seat that we put our guests after hearing all these conversations and thinking the past few weeks in particular so deeply about where the world is going for AI and responsible AI in particular, if you had that magic wand that we often give our guests at the end of each show and you were able to do one thing to achieve responsible AI in the coming year, what would you do with that magic wand? I mean, it's hard. <laughs> all of our all of our guests start by saying, "Oh, this is a hard question," but it is a hard question, and, and deliberately so. I incline to follow what Stuart said in his podcast, and that is just hit the pause button for a moment, whilst we figure out what responsible AI and generative AI together actually look like and and mean so that we can think about inclusion, we can think about diversity, we can think about what does accountability, what does transparency, what does bias in these large language models look like and how do we actually think about governance. And it also resonates with another theme that we heard amongst many of our guests, which is when they personally hit the pause button on their work, they were able to think so much more deeply about their work, their impact, the impact they wanted to have, how they were going to go about it. And it was interesting that that's often what led them to working in the responsible AI space. So all the more reason that we will end this show with asking everyone to take a pause. Absolutely. Thank you. And Miriam, one day we're going to have to turn the tables on you. <laughs> you too have so much to offer. And well, so maybe I shall be asking you the questions. next. Well, time. I'm glad it was me asking you the questions this time. Thank you for sharing your insights. This was good fun. Subscribe to or download our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. We always welcome your feedback. And if you like the podcast, please rate us or give us a review. To learn more or get involved, visit us at www.equalai.org and www.weforum.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want more unique content, please head over to Radio Davos from the World Economic Forum. And a special thanks to NP Agency, without whom this podcast would not be possible. 